Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a failed steak salesman to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. The logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the moral equivalence fallacy. So the fallacy of moral equivalence is committed when someone argues that because the actions of two people or two groups are morally equivalent, that those people or groups are just as bad as each other. Basically, it's a way of deflecting from an accusation. So if someone accuses you of of something that is seen to be bad and you say, well, so-and-so did something else and that's just as bad, it's a distraction. It doesn't actually address the fact that the thing you did was bad. It just points out that other people do bad things too. And it's often used actually to deflect with something which often isn't as bad or isn't even on the same scope as the, the thing that someone is being accused of. So, for example, uh, following the Charlottesville white supremacist rally and counter-protest, Trump was kind of hectored into making a statement, really, by the press over a a number of days. And eventually he did. He read a prepared statement. And uh, this is what he said. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry and violence on many sides. On many sides. So that last bit, on many sides it seemed like Trump ad-libbed. He kind of added that to what had already been planned to say. And by doing so, he equated the actions of the two groups, of the the people who were chanting Nazi slogans, giving Nazi salutes, carrying placards with anti-Semitic slogans, and literally drove a car into a crowd of people and killed someone. He equated their actions with the group who would quite like it if there weren't any Nazis. Which is, isn't a particularly violent position to hold, is it? No, it's, it's not really, no. Um, and so he was, he was asked to clarify, because obviously this was a bit controversial, and instead of kind of backing down, because Trump doesn't like to back down, he, he actually doubled down instead and said this. And you had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. So... Now he's calling Nazis very fine people. And I'm going to call them Nazis. Fair enough, because that's what they are. For anyone who can't remember what this protest was about, it was about Confederate statues being taken down. But the people who gathered to protest, some of them, (laughs) I'm not going to call them fine people, because at the very least they were marching (laughs) with Nazis, but some of them were protesting the statues, and some of them were dressed in white shirts and khaki trousers, which has become the uniform of white supremacists. They were carrying torches, they were carrying placards, and they were chanting slogans that were anti-Semitic and slogans that were associated with Nazis. They were are they not Nazis. raising their right arm in stiff yeah, well, yeah, arm yeah, they were doing Nazi salutes, salutes well. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 If it salutes like a Nazi and it squawks like a Nazi, it's a Nazi. Yeah, this is the easiest political question you can have, I think, in the, in modern times. Are Nazis bad? 
That's that's the question that he was basically being asked by the reporters. All he needed to do was condemn Nazis. And he couldn't do it without saying, but the people who don't like the Nazis are also bad. And then he was asked again, because I think journalists who were listening to this couldn't quite believe that this (laughs) was his his route that he was taking and this was the hill he was going to die on. So they, they... are specifically about the comment that he made about the violence and, and bigotry being on many sides, on both sides. Uh, and he said this. Yes, I think there's blame on both sides. You look at you look at both sides. I think there's blame on both sides. And I have no doubt about it. And you don't have any doubt about it either. What? So he's, he's kind of compounded it. He's saying there's blame on both sides. Uh, okay, well, they, that is difficult. But then, then he says, "I don't have any doubt about it, and you don't have any doubt about it." So he's actually yeah. made the person who's asked him the question the moral equivalent of himself. What he's really saying is, if you look at it, if you actually pay attention and aren't partisan and and biased, you'll see that there is violence on both sides, there is aggression on both sides, and there's blame on both sides. If he'd stuck to the script. In that first speech, if he had just said, we condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry and violence, and left it there... Left it at that. That would have been positive. That would have been good. Nobody really could have argued with that, except the Nazis, I suppose. But because he then immediately followed that up with, on many sides, on many sides, he's equating the two groups, and they're not morally equivalent at all. And he went up to the point, actually, of pointing out that the Nazis had a permit for their protest, their demonstration, and the anti-fascists, supposedly, according to Trump, did not have a permit. As it turned out later, they actually did have a permit for their protest as well. But he was trying to make out that that because the Nazis had a permit, they were actually, if anything, had the moral high ground. Oh, my God. I mean, it just... Where is he coming from? that he has to caveat a condemnation of racist, murderous behaviour by saying, ah, oh, well, you know, the other guys are just as bad. Why does, how can anyone in their right mind do that? Well, well there you go. He's not in his right yeah. mind, is he? Or he's in his far right mind. But in terms purely of the logical fallacy, oh, yeah. even if the two groups were morally equivalent in terms of what they actually did. If the anti-fascist group, uh, the, the, the counter-protesters, if you like, if they came with guns and if they drove a car into the group of Nazis and killed someone, that's not OK either. It's not OK to say, well, they, they did it. You know, they're just... Yeah, 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 yeah. That doesn't yeah. take anything away from the fact that what yeah. the Nazis did is not OK. And that's yes. the key, really, here. Just drawing an equivalence and saying, well, you know, this other person, this other group, they've done something bad too. It doesn't address the actual claim that's being made. And that's why it's a logical fallacy. Exactly. My mum would say, two wrongs don't make a right. It's a dodgy argument to make. And I don't know who would be convinced by it. And to think yeah. that it's a valid way of countering somebody's question is still... In this case, this is one of those fallacies where it's not really an attempt to uh, convince someone of anything. It's it's an attempt to, to get out of an awkward situation. Yeah, yeah. Of, his, of his own making, um, yeah. So, yeah, so rather than answer the question, he distracts and deflects with, with this. 
it doesn't make anyone actually think the the question has been answered. They just move on to something else because it's uh, that's the way conversations yeah, yeah. go. You know, if you are successfully able to distract someone, you can take control of the conversation and move it on to something else. You occupy the space where the answer would be, so you kind of think, oh, well, that's answered that then, but it kind of hasn't. My example that I've discovered is when he's doing, and I've found that he had done this snake poem before. Poem, I think, is too grand a word. In the the hustings, yeah, it rhymes, yeah. (laughs) In the hustings in 2017, and then he repeated again once he's the president. So he's doing this snake thing which is about it's basically a thinly disguised racist tirade and and just listen to the just we won't listen to the god and help us no we're not going to listen to the whole poem but just listen to the intro of this this is called the snake and think of it in terms of immigration and you may love it or you may say isn't that terrible okay and if you say isn't that terrible who cares because the way they treat me that's peanuts compared to the way they treat me. Okay? It just flips. It's brilliant, isn't it? He's basically saying, I'm going to say something terrible here when, in, in reading the poem. He's, he's specifically related it to immigration. And the poem is essentially about a woman who kind of rescues a snake that's, that's very ill, nurses it back to health, and then gets bitten by the snake yeah. because it's a snake. And, and it's essentially saying you shouldn't take people in because they're just going to do you harm. But he prefaces it by saying... I'm going to say something bad and kind of racist here, but look at the way the media treat me, so that's fine. Yeah. And, you know, you might say it's terrible. And it is terrible. It's out-and-out out racism, the the like of which we've not heard since, ooh, Hitler. So when, you know, just likening an entire bunch of people, an entire, you know, Mexicans it's going to be, um, to snakes. You know, it, it reminds me of those wartime anti-Jewish posters in in pre-Holocaust Germany. You know, it's that. It's oh, hello, Nazis. Yeah. So it's it's that stuff. And then he says, "Well, you might think it's terrible, but that's nothing compared with what they done to me." And so you, you're you're supposed to forgive him how terrible it is by that momentary distraction. And listen, and how angry he gets. When he just kind of, he just loses it in that bit, you know, when he says, this, but that's nothing compared with these peanuts compared with what they've done to me. And you think, well, I don't really think condemning an entire ba- bunch of people, and it's not even a race, you know, an entire people who are outside of America, condemning all of those people and saying, but that is as nothing compared with how the media have treated me, because I'm assuming that the them he's pointing at, it's not the, it's not the immigrants that have treated him badly, um, it's the press. So, but the way he treats the immigrants, you know, chucking them in cages, separating them from their parents, all that stuff, that's a nothing because the press have dumbed me down. You know, they've they've ruined my entire life. They've plucked away at every opportunity all of the chances I had in my life and that oh no I'm the president of the United States I've managed to write off several billion dollars worth of debt and I live in a gold hotel you know (laughs) I am the living embodiment of Biff Tannen from Back to the Future 2 and yet 
because of what the press have done, this means nothing to me and is much, much worse than anything I'm about to meet out on anyone who has the poor, unfortunate uh, opportunity to wash up on our shores. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. A bit and, of a rant there, sorry. Uh, I, no, no, it's good. <laughs> I just want to say, equating Trump to Hitler and the Republicans to Nazis a little while ago would have been possibly a fallacy. <laughs> there is actually a fallacy called reductio ad Hitler. Oh, really? Which is basically when, right. when people leap to saying, you know, mm. something like, oh, you're a vegetarian. Well, Hitler was a vegetarian, right. so you must be awful. <laughs> okay. That's basically that kind of thing. Yeah. But, but Mike Godwin, who was the inventor of Godwin's Law, which states that the longer an online discussion goes on, the higher the probability goes of a comparison involving Hitler. Right. He actually tweeted in April, by all means, compare these shitheads to the Nazis again and again, I'm with you. Wow. Um, and that's, that's, that's Mike Godwin. So, wow. you know, if he says it's okay. There you go. Then it must be. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is to be honest, it's getting harder and harder to honestly discuss what they do without invoking the Holocaust yeah. and things yeah. like that because yeah. they're just they're, they're making it too easy. Yeah, whether they're doing it wittingly or unwittingly, if they're doing it unwittingly, then they deserve to have it pointed out at every stage. If they're doing it wittingly, then they deserve to have it pointed out at every stage. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics. Corner. So once again, we have to turn to uh, the Bosmeister himself, Boris Johnson, who, as Foreign Secretary, uh, made a statement over the Iranian government's response to the protests in Iran, which were in January, February this year. Um, basically, there was a, an uprising against what the Iranian government was doing. So the protesters were taken to the streets in order to exercise their right to free speech and say to the government, we don't particularly like what it is that you're doing, uh, to which the uh, Iranian government responded by opening fire on them and shooting several of the protesters. So uh, the Foreign Secretary, Boris Johnson, made a statement in response to this and uh, said, uh, the UK is watching events in Iran closely. We believe there should be a meaningful debate about the legitimate and important issues that the protesters are raising. And we look to the Iranian authorities to permit this. All well and good so far. We also believe that particularly as we enter the 70th anniversary year of the Universal Declaration on Human Rights, people should be able to have freedom of expression and to demonstrate peacefully within the law. All good so far. He then says, we regret the loss of life that has occurred in the protests in Iran and call on all concerned to refrain from violence and for international obligations on human rights to be observed. So it goes up to that third paragraph. It's all about, look, the freedom of expression, come on, boys, let them just go to, onto the streets and voice their um, objections to what you're doing without fear of being shot and killed. But it gets towards the end. It said, we, we regret the loss of life that has occurred in the protests in Iran. Should have stopped there. And then he says, we call on all concerned to refrain from violence. So he's doing a Trump. He's saying there is violence occurring on both sides and we're asking everybody to refrain rather than just saying we ask the Iranian government to stop shooting the protesters He's saying, well, you know, protesters 
you, obviously they were a little bit violent because they got on the street and started shouting and throwing things. It's almost saying, well, you probably deserved it. It's, you know, yeah. we've, when, we when all need... one side is shooting the other side, you don't have to go, all right, everyone stop yeah. shooting. So and what's interesting is that the, uh, the moral equivalency of this was being called out by Richard Haas, who is the president of the Council on Foreign Relations, which is a US organisation and has been since the 20s. And uh, he says, this is moral equivalence at its worst. And it would be helpful if European voices express support for the right of popular protest and the legitimacy of criticisms that focus on government corruption, societal illiberalism, costly foreign adventurism, etc. So what he's saying is, you know, what, what you need to be doing is going following through on the opening bit of your statement, Boris, and saying, yeah, in the 70th anniversary of the Declaration of Human Rights, you should not be shooting protesters purely because they're protesting, purely because they are disagreeing with your policies and that you disagree with them being able to do that. You know, don't take arms and, and kill the poor sods. Just allow them to protest. That's what being a democracy is, isn't it? And here we see the fallacy in the wild. That's a bloody marvellous thing, that is. That's a great thing. Thank you, Mark. Just to let you know that this week's fallacy in the wild does contain some profanity quite a lot of profanity on both the recording that we play in and uh, that comes out of our mouths. So if you'd rather not hear that kind of profanity, if you're listening in the car with the kids, then you want to skip forward about 10 minutes and you'll be able to avoid all of that. In the Fantasy in the Wild section, we, we look at the fantasy from a, um, well, usually a non-political point of view, but something that takes into account uh, kind of other arenas such as pop culture or debates uh, in religion, for example. In this case, we're talking about the Roseanne Barr debacle that happened at the very, very end of May, in which Roseanne tweeted basically just a, an insult, I wouldn't even call it a joke, about Valerie Jarrett, senior advisor to Barack Obama. She tweeted, Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby equals VJ. In other words, Valerie Jarrett. Valerie Jarrett being uh, an African-American lady and there being a significant history of racism using imagery of, of apes to represent black people. This was not seen as a positive thing by many people. No. Immediately, pretty much, ABC cancelled their very popular um, revival of, of the sitcom that Roseanne started uh, back in the uh, 80s, I want to say. I think yeah. you're right, yeah, yeah. Um, very end of the 80s, I think it was. It was condemned largely on the left, which, as we have been discussing, there is potentially more of a uh, sympathy with racist views on the right of the political spectrum. Um, I don't think that's unfair at all. No. In fact, I was trying to be sensitive to it, but no. no. The, the, <laughs> I think it's actually the, just the true. Right, the far yeah. right especially, yeah. well known for their racism. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what makes them the far right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. it was condemned very much by, by the, the left 
uh, of the political spectrum and her fellow cast members um, said that they, they were very surprised that she would do this and, and disappointed and it was terrible and shouldn't be allowed. And she was fired by ABC and the sitcom was cancelled. Trump responded when he did mention it with a tweet um, complaining, basically, <laughs> yeah. that although ABC had apologised to Valerie Jarrett on behalf of Roseanne and said that ABC doesn't tolerate comments like those made by Roseanne Barr. ABC had never apologised to Trump for horrible things said about him. Yeah. In, in doing that, he, he, um, he equated the racism that was clear and evident in Roseanne's tweet with insults against Trump. And, I mean, it's just incredibly tone-deaf not realising the difference between being called any of any of the things, frankly, that Trump has been called by ABC, but it it wasn't a racial thing. Whereas the, the um, tweet about Valerie Jarrett, even if you want to believe Roseanne's later claims that she was completely unaware of any likelihood that it would be taken as a racist statement, and didn't know about the the long history of of black people being compared to apes. Even if you believe that, which you have to be quite generous to do, I think, it's not the same. No. The political climate of racism these days has become less acceptable, which is a good thing. The fact that Roseanne is a, uh, a rich, reasonably powerful white woman making this kind of joke, in inverted commas, about a uh, black woman when you look at it in the context of the history of racism it's it's impossible to say that that's the same as just a general insult now following on soon after this whole thing actually while it was still in the news was a a part of the samantha b show full frontal where she said a thing about ivanka trump and here's what she said on the show. After decades of ignoring the issue, Americans are finally paying attention. Well, most of us, Ivanka Trump, who works at the White House, chose to post the second most oblivious tweet we've seen this week. You know, Ivanka, that's a beautiful photo of you and your child. But let me just say, one mother to another, do something about your dad's immigration practices, you feckless cunt. He listens to you. Tell your father to fucking stop it. Fair enough. So <laughs> at that, basically, conservatives lost their shit and started trying to draw an equivalence between Roseanne and her, what she said and what happened to her and Samantha B. And most of them were saying that Samantha, what Samantha B said was much worse, but nothing happened to her. She didn't get fired. She had, she did make an apology. But it, it wasn't sufficient in light of what had happened to Roseanne. In fact, Trump tweeted in, in response to this. He said, Why aren't they firing no talent Samantha B for the horrible language used on her low-rating show? A total double standard, but that's okay. We are winning and we'll be doing so for a long time to come. It is not a double standard because these two things are not the same. Firing someone because they have been openly racist in public yep. is not the same as someone swearing on a television programme. 
she didn't just swear, to be fair. She, it was a directed personal insult at, a, at another person, which in that respect is the same. But it, using that word, calling someone a cunt, is, is a taboo, it's shocking, but it isn't the same as racism. And that seems to be something that the right doesn't get. No, it was used to comic effect, terrifically funny comic effect. And I think it's because the reason the right can't get that is because the joke was aimed at them. So therefore they are up in arms, probably because they don't understand why it's funny because it's ju they just see it as an insult. And of course they will go to the first thing which is well hang on a minute a member of our our tribe this this white ostensibly working class character actress who has said this stuff she was fired for saying something that was an insult you know oblivious to the fact that it, it was out and out racism hate speech whereas calling somebody a cunt in a comedy programme, isn't. I think really importantly, actually, is it's... It, cunt wasn't a joke. It added power yeah. to what Samantha Bee was saying. Yeah. And the political comedians, and the late-night comedians, they are making points, they are raising attention to important issues by making fun, by uh, doing satire. And this has been the case for many years. This is, you know, from in the UK, spitting image and... And in, in the US thing, you know, the, the monologue in The Tonight Show. For, yeah. for many years, they, they make fun of the political uh, situation. They make fun of things that need to be drawn attention to. And things at the moment really need drawing attention to. And Samantha Bee was um, expressing moral outrage on behalf of her viewers that while the Trump administration is separating children from their parents... Ivanka Trump is tweeting about motherhood and showing pictures of her child. It's tone deaf at best. It's really insulting at worst. And she is justifiably angry about it. And so using strong, the strongest language, frankly, like that, adds to um, the effect of it. It actually made me think of a song about the Pope. Right. Uh, which is which is by Tim Minchin. Yeah. And it's... I'm not going to play it because I don't think we're allowed to. Right. But I hope that Tim won't mind, because he's a lovely man, yeah. if I read some of the lyrics. Because the song is about the last Pope, not Pope Francis, but Ratzinger, who was accused, and, well, there's a significant amount of evidence, that he was involved in covering up child abuse within the Catholic Church. And the Pope song that Tim Minchin wrote is extremely profane. Right. But with a very, very good point. And I'm just going to read a couple of the lines. If you don't like the swearing this motherfucker forced from me and reckon it shows moral or intellectual paucity, then fuck you, motherfucker. This is language one employs when one is fucking pissed at motherfuckers fucking boys. Yeah. And the point of that is, if you're more offended by the language, the swearing in this song, than the idea that the Pope covered up for child abuse, then you are wrong. Your morals are wrong. And that's the same point I think Samantha Bee was making. 
Yeah. If you're more upset that Ivanka Trump was called a cunt than that Donald Trump and his administration are taking kids away from their parents, then you need to think again. Because that shouldn't be what you're upset about. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yeah, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up. And Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Right. So I am currently undefeated yeah. at fake news. Yeah. So two nil down. Everything I'm, to play for. I'm feeling quite confident this week. I've gone from one extreme to the other. I think I've worked <laughs> out the middle ground now. The best so, you can do is still be losing by one point. Uh, yeah. So that's that's, <laughs> that's you know that's yeah, but it's one okay. step nearer to drawing. Yeah, we've got to do another three programs before I can possibly start to win so yeah. everything to play for yeah. so are you ready yeah number one it's very unfair the treatment i've had if you think about it nobody else could have done what i've done and i think actually a lot of people have said it that i'm an american hero number two you ever notice they always call the other side the elite the elite why are they the elite i have a much better apartment than they do i'm smarter than they are i'm richer than they are i became president and they didn't or number three, I may be wrong. I may stand before you in six months and say, hey, I was wrong. I don't know if I'll ever admit that, but I'll find some kind of an excuse. Who, uh, <clears throat> okay. Uh, right then, well, uh, you see, what's interesting is that they're also stacked full of logical fallacies as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very very unfair the treatment I've had. Think about it, nobody else could have done what I've done. And I think actually there is actually a lot of people have said it. There's the So if I was writing one, I'd put in actually a lot of people have said it, that I'm an American hero. I don't know that I heard him say that, but I wouldn't put it past him. American hero. Uh, Right, the other side of the elite, why are they elite? I have much better apartment. Well, that's because it's nothing to do with having more than them. Okay, I think, you see, number three strikes me as being slightly more self-aware than than I certainly, for one, would normally credit Trump with. I don't think I'll ever, I'll ever admit that, but I'll find some kind of an excuse. You see, I don't even... Uh, that seems to be uncharacteristically humble. So I may stand before you in six months and say, hey, I was wrong. I don't know if I'll ever admit that. I see, I would I would have him stop there, but I'll find some kind of... Oh, God. Right, I think it's number three. I think you made up number three. Okay. Yeah. So... You're going to play uh, it now, aren't you? <laughs> number two. Yeah. You're confident on, are you? Uh, okay. That seemed to be the one you were kind of most sure about. Uh, about the elites. <laughs> well, now you say that. No, because what you're going to your pull was to just press the button, aren't you? No, I <laughs> see. I think it's number three. I think you made up number three. Okay, so uh, let's just play number two then. You ever notice they always call the other side, and they do this up the elite. 
The elite. Why are they elite? I have a much better apartment than they do. I'm smarter than they are. I'm richer than they are. I became president and they didn't. Yep, so he said number two. What he doesn't seem to realise is that the reason that they say the other side is is the elite is is an insult from the right, from the deplorables, from the yeah. working class people. Yeah. Elite is seen as a negative to them, like an intellectual. That's that's a bad thing. So weirdly he's decided that he should try and reclaim this this elite, which obviously in monetary terms, in terms of kind of, you know, success and whatever. The, at least the way he portrays himself, he's definitely one of the elite, which is why it was so ridiculous that he was portraying himself as kind of you know one of the people, one of yeah, the, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, that's that's ordinary all... Americans with his yeah billions of dollars. Well, that's always been his shtick, isn't it? That he's kind of I'm one of yeah. you, you know, I'm just like you. I'm a blue collar worker that happens to be several billion dollars <laughs> in debt and live in a yeah. gold apartment. And you know, yeah. I would take issue with I'm smarter so, than they are, but there you go. It, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's but it's very confused reasoning. Yeah. It's like, you know, oh you you know, they they are supposedly better, but I'm much better than they are. I'm much better than um, they are. But, and but it's an insult yeah. against the people that he was against in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So he and isn't smarter he, than he them. Played, this is from one of his rallies that he's been doing over the last week or so. Um and he he said something very similar in uh, Fargo, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Uh but he added in uh, we have better boats than they do, <laughs> which is which is bizarre. Partly because Fargo is is landlocked. The North Dakota yeah. as a whole, no no coast, no, no boats. No. Uh, no. So yeah, yeah, weird. There you go. Yeah. So number one, yeah, you think is also true. Yeah, and I'm sorry to say that's fake news. Oh no, 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 I no! I made that one up. That's very good. Yeah, you see, I should have. Should have gone for the American yeah, hero. Yeah. Kind of left me slightly doubtful. No, that's very good. So, so number three. They may be wrong. I mean, I may stand before you in six months and say, "Hey, I was wrong." I don't know that I'll ever admit that, but I'll find us. I'll find some kind of an excuse. He just said the quiet part out loud. There you have it. Wow. <laughs> that's not the bit he's supposed to say. But no, yeah, he, he was actually talking at that point uh, just after having met with Kim Jong-un. Um, <gasps> really? And he was saying that he trusted Kim to, to denuclearise. But, you know, who? it may be wrong. Who cares? It's only, it's only potentially millions of lives. Oh, my God. That was then, no? I thought yeah. it was on the... the was then. That sounded like it was that show when he was talking about his hair or something. There was one There was like a <laughs> no, very light-hearted no, this is thing. quite an important thing he's discussing. Yeah. Well, yeah but he's... Oh, what the hell? Wow. But most importantly... Yeah. You've won. I am still undefeated. Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> So, podcast listeners, I need your help to fool Mark on an ongoing basis. Um, if you think you can make up a convincing fake Trump quote, then share this episode on Twitter, include your quote and the hashtag fallacious Trump, and I'll pick the best one, and you'll be podcast famous. See, I don't believe anything you say now. Okay, so now it's time for the part of the show that uh, this week, at least, is called Consistency is Not a Logical Fallacy. 
You may have heard that uh, one of the Supreme Court justices, Anthony Kennedy, is resigning. He is retiring this year uh, on July 31st. And Kennedy is a swing vote usually, or at least he hasn't been recently. He's been voting more to the right, but he has previously been a swing vote in matters such as gay rights and abortion rights. And Mitch McConnell is in charge of deciding whether we get to choose a new Supreme Court justice before or after the midterms. Now, as you may remember, back in 2016, McConnell, he made up a new rule, and it's called the McConnell Rule, and he decided that because it was nine (laughs) months to go until November 2016, nine months until the American public got a chance to choose who was going to be in control of the Senate and the House of Representatives, that that was too soon. That was too short a time to even think about choosing a new justice to to fill at the time Antonin Scalia's seat after Scalia died. And uh, Obama had put forward Merrick Garland. It's a a large thing to choose. Nine months is barely any time at all to think about something that where somebody's going to be in power for or in position for a couple of decades. Absolutely. You can't just rush these things. And more to the point, McConnell wanted to make sure that the American public got their chance to, to... to put the right people in the Senate to make that decision. It's very altruistic. Exactly, exactly. And so obviously, with only four months to go until the midterms now, now that Kennedy has uh, announced his retirement, McConnell is is saying the same thing. He's saying that, uh, you know, we've only got four months to the midterms. The the House, the Senate may flip, may go Democrat. So we're not going to make any decisions. Oh, no, hang on, wait. He's doing the exact opposite of what he did before and saying we are going to make sure that we vote on the new justice before the midterms. Because yep, because we've had plenty of practice at it and we're now a lot quicker at the whole process. We can get it done in less than half the time, which, you know, it, it worried me before and it worried me so much I had to have a, an entire rule made up named after me to bring some kind of sensibility to the whole voting process so that we didn't rush headlong into these things without thinking. And now we've done that rule. And so what I'm going to do is 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 actually look at the rule and I'm going to do exactly the opposite of what it says, despite the fact it's got my name on it. And the rule says completely otherwise than what I'm now advocating. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, because you wouldn't want to be in any way consistent at all. No, if it disadvantages no, no, your you know, side. When you've got, when you've got that, that's what rules are made to be broken. Yeah. So, but you know, he made it in order to be able to break it at some stage in the future, because he knew he knows you know which side his bread is buttered. You know, it's yeah, allegedly. You know, it's nothing to do with his political leanings, nothing to do with the fact that he might be out on his ear if he, do, if he does actually stand up to the Donald and say, do you know what, we're not going to do that. Didn't do it last time, not going to do it this time. You know, <laughs> oh, can you imagine just, him standing up to that? Just the idea, I can't, I'm trying to imagine him actually doing that. That, that would be that, amazing. He can't, he, but no. that, that would. Yeah. He would be an American hero then. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Michael Cohen is is being kind of uh, told by everyone that he meets like in the street that he would be a hero if he flipped on on the Donald. Um, so I think that may be uh, pushing him 
slightly more in that direction. <laughs> but McConnell, yeah, I don't. Then, uh, I think he is McConnell, he yeah. is righteously and and f- with very good reason reviled by so many people because he is yeah. an inconsistent bastard. Well, no, I think he's consistently a bastard. Yes, that's true. But he's consistently the, in, a bastard. The, the thi- and consistently a bastard in his inconsistency. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. From one moment to the next, he doesn't. He never ceases to be a complete bastard. But what it shows is that for all their talk of uh, of making sure that you follow the rules correctly, and this is why this is you know the 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 rules that they make up on the spot basically to justify what they're doing. It's the same with the healthcare bill, to be honest, because when Obama was reinventing. The, um, the healthcare of America and, and creating Obamacare, they were saying it was being rushed, it was being not talked about enough, it wasn't, you know, not enough people had seen it. And then they literally went into a room, locked the door and did it in 48 hours and came out and went, this is it, we're voting on it right now, don't even read it, we're voting on it right now. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, it was, it, the, they, they did, yeah. uh, we're talking about moral equivalence, they did it much worse. They did much worse than what they accused Obama of doing the, just, you know, a couple of years before. Yeah. And in some way, we will be distracted in pointing that out by Trump standing up and saying, well, what you're, what you're doing is much worse. Whatever it is, he'll just come up oh, yeah. with something and say, you know, yeah, but the very fact you're asking me that question is much worse than what I'm doing because you're saying it in a very strident way. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he already calls the Democrats obstructionists and says that they're stopping the Republicans from passing all the, the laws that they need to pass, despite the fact that the Democrats don't have enough votes to do that. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. <sighs> and finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. Trump signed an executive order ending the separation of families at the border and instead requiring children to be detained indefinitely in the same facility as their parents. He then claimed to have fixed the problem, like someone who sets fire to an orphanage, pisses on the fire and demands a medal. Melania flew out to visit children in a detention centre whilst wearing a jacket that said, I really don't care, do you, in huge letters on the back. Her spokesman said there was no hidden message, which is technically true, since the message was loud and clear and quite visible. Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked to leave a Red Hen restaurant in Lexington, Virginia by the owner who said they had certain standards to uphold. In a clear ethics violation, Sanders then used her official government Twitter account to attack the restaurant and Trump weighed in soon after. According to intelligence sources, North Korea has been increasing its production of fuel for nuclear weapons and completing the expansion of a key missile manufacturing plant. But it's OK, because Kim promised Donnie that they'd stop. Pinky swear! In an interview with George Stephanopoulos, former Trump fixer Michael Cohen, who once said that he would take a bullet for Trump, now says his loyalty lies with his family and his country. He said he does not agree that the Mueller investigation is a witch hunt and he believes the intelligence agencies regarding Putin meddling in the US election. Wow, he has changed his tune, hasn't he? Last Sunday, Trump tweeted that America needs immediate deportation of immigrants without due process. He's definitely read the Constitution, though. He must just have skipped over the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments. I'm surprised he even got as far as the Fifth. Former Fox News executive Bill Shine has been named the new White House Communications Director. Befitting the real-life Defence Against the Dark Arts teacher job, Shine is a totally qualified candidate who hardly ever covered up sexual harassment scandals at Fox. Well, maybe four or five times. 
12 max. And finally, the Trump Foundation's lawyer asked to change the date of the trial against the alleged fraudulent charity so that it doesn't happen just before the midterm elections. The judge in the case laughed, didn't change the date and hinted she would be requiring the president to testify. Ooh, that would be good, wouldn't it? So uh, that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. If you hear Trump saying something stupid and wonder if it's a fallacy, email us on fallaciousTrump at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at fallaciousTrump. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on your podcast platform of choice or support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump, where you can get some exclusive content and other cool stuff. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So, until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye!